What's up, world? It's Tim from Let's Talk Battle Rap. Um, just want to give a quick introduction to this uh, DNA episode. Um, this was uh, something I've been working on for about 10 months. I've been DMing DNA uh, monthly, sometimes even weekly. Um, even bought a DNA sweatshirt, you know. Um, wanted to let him know I was serious. I really, really wanted him on. And um, eventually, it kind of morphed into not having him on my segment, the deconstructions. But I realized the better thing to do would be to have him sit down and have a conversation with France. As you guys know, no one knows this battle rap shit better than France. I mean, he knows the ins and outs. He knows the history. He can talk about it articulately. The guy's a monster. You put him on the phone with a guy like DNA who has such a legacy, um, who's done it everywhere and done everything and has so many opinions and so much to talk about, man, I figured there's no way this episode wouldn't be stupid fire. So without further ado, here it is. Oh, real quick though, let's talk battlerap.com. Let's talk battlerap on Twitter and on Instagram. Damn, first and foremost, I, I got to give you your flowers while you're here. Talk about grind time, you talk about URL, King of the Dot, Don't Flop, RBE, Quinn in the Ring, uh, Funk Flex, I-95, Sway in the Morning, ESPN. And correct me if I'm wrong, two-time Red Bull champion, right? You beat Quest and Voss. Yeah, nah, I beat Quest and Voss, but I never actually won the whole Red Bull competition. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, man. But, that makes sense. Yeah, but... but one, yeah. I won in the state, but then when it was like the finale, I wound up uh, losing in bo- um, both times. Oh, man, but you got to the finals, and you can freestyle your ass off, that's for sure. 19-plus battles at a million views. Second highest view battler, 130 on the board. DNA, you were a walking myth in this battle rap game. <laughs> yeah, something <laughs> like that. Appreciate yo, it, bro. Yo, man. Listen, bro, I've been following you 10-plus years, and, you know... Just from, like, early DNA days, man, like, grind time days. I'm going to keep it all the way 100. I'm going to keep that same energy. I have so much respect for your career, but 2008, 2009, I was not a DNA fan. Oh, okay, okay. Why is that? I don't know. I felt like you were a real cookie cutter. You were real one, two, three, four, and I was like, it's not, it doesn't do it for me. And so let me tell you a funny story. You know, back in the day, I was 10 years ago, I was under 21, so I really couldn't get into venues or events. But when you and Surf was booked, March to, uh, 2010, March 27th, 2010, I remember this day, Saturday. It was a secret location all the way down by, like, past 34th Street, probably like 14th Street. I went to the venue just because I really wanted to watch you and Surf. Because I was like, all my friends in high school, everybody, it was big DNA fans, big DNA fans. I was the only guy like, man, DNA going to get killed. I got, I got to the venue, pulled up with the fake ID. I couldn't get in. But the battle dropped, and I was the laughing stock for like the next two weeks. I'm like, I said, I got to respect DNA. <laughs> oh, that's what's up. Yeah, I, I, remember, I remember that uh, that whole process, the battle was served too, that was- those those early grind time URL days, like, what 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 used to go through your mind? Because all you really wanted was to smoke with everybody, but it also kind of seemed like people would try to like lowball you or like or like like not take you serious. But you were like you had their foot on their necks all the time, no matter what. Yeah, 
Uh, I mean, like, not trying to be funny. Me starting the battle rap, when I first started battle rapping, it was more so, like, to get my music career out there. Because, uh, shout out to uh, my man AJ. He used to uh, be my engineer in Queens, where I used to be called where I grew up. And he wound up moving. So after he moved, it was like I had no studio. I had no source of, like, recording or nothing. So I was trying to figure things out on how to get popular. And then I seen um, Ron Tom on Worldstar. Mm. So I uh, rest in peace to PH. I had uh, messaged him on MySpace, sending him footage, and then he sent me up with a tryout to battle Amzilla. And then even though I lost the tryout with Amzilla, Swayze Stellar, Ian Solomon, Sarah Connor, and Cortez, they all voted that I should make it to Grand Time. So uh, after that, I wound up battling for Grand Time. My first battle was Profit. Then it was AKA. Yep, yep. Uh, then it was Little Farnham, and then after that, uh, it was Lil Pesci, and then Roan, and yeah, um, that... Rich Doll- uh, you know, After Roan, it was Peanut, then it was Rich Dollars. And then uh, I wanted bigger battles on Grind Time, and the way it was set up, they was only giving it to the West Coast guys. Hmm. So, um, Norbs had reached out to me, and he wanted me to battle uh, X Factor. Uh, on the car where Mass battled T Rex, but oh. I already scheduled to battle Peanut that same day, and I yeah. was trying to be loyal to PH. Well, I was loyal to PH, so I turned it down and said no. So that wound up pushing my URL debut back into like February of 2010 when I battled on P. Yeah. Um, at that time, I was really, I, I was really just trying to make a name for myself, and you know, let people know. Even though I was, because I, when I started, I was 17. And around the time I started battling on URL, I was 18, and I was just trying to let people know, even though I'm young, like I, I, I could be, I could beat anybody. So that was really my mindset. And then, um, you know, I, I think I, I don't, I always feel like even to this day now, people take the easy way out. They know they can say, well, in battles I didn't make sense, or you know, uh, whatever. I guess the non-believability thing. People try to use those narratives because they really don't want to battle because. Anybody mm. tell you if you, once you're in the battle with me, it's never. And if you think it's gonna be easy, it's never easy. And a lot of people know, like, they know it's not that type of battle they want to put themselves into. Like, you're really gonna have to take it serious if you battle me. So that those be people's ways of, you know, trying to get out of it or not really. You know what I'm saying, get in the ring with me. You know, it's funny you mentioned your grind time resume and the, the low Pesci battle. That was like a turning point for you because, like. You weren't happy with the judges' decisions back in the day. And I remember a lot of uh, the freestyles. There used to be a lot of videos of, like, the Blockwork Studio. And you had a lot of legendary moments there. And that's where you met Clips. Hello? Uh, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, when I, uh, when I battled Lil Pesci, I was contemplating on quitting battle rap. I yeah. Mean, it sounds crazy. Uh, it sounds crazy now, but... At that time, I was like 18, bad temper. I was furious. I didn't, I didn't even understand how that battle went to overtime, and um, and that that was a good that was a good lesson for me now looking back at it because it made me go 100 times harder, and that's why I brought out the bomb in my next battle against. <laughs> yeah. So it was uh, it was it was definitely it was definitely a a good a good point in my career to make me realize the the extra necessary steps that I needed to take, and then um. 
what's the what's the thing you said after that? Because I started talking about that. I forgot to give you an answer. Oh um, no, I was just I was just talking about the the Blackwork Studio days, like when you met Clips and oh, yeah, that, yeah. that kind of and like th- th- those days in that studio, like just like sharpening your sword with like a Cortez, a Clips, and whoever else came. And I think probably like Fred the Godson, who was really active in around back in the day. He used to pop up at the Lions Den events all the time. That must have really like kept you like engaged, like wow, like these guys see potential in me that I don't see in myself right now. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be honest with you, like shout out to Fred the Godson, that's still my man to this day. Like when I just came out the uh the hospital from the kidney stone surgery, he hit me to make sure I was good. So that that's always my big bro for life. Fred the God, really, yeah, he made he definitely made me better because the way Fred the God punches is so unorthodox. And like the way he was just thinking of them shits, coming up with them shits at that time, I never witnessed nobody do that on a consistent basis in front of me. Mm. And then it was like, it was like, it was like uh, a give and take thing because you would see Fred the God do his punches like that, and then Clips' punches may be simpler, but they were so effective because of his delivery. It was like uh, you can learn so much from from even one of them and just being there locked in the studio every every day that's what kind of elevated me and made me a lot better too and um shout out to Zoe and Dre that's the people that ran block were mm. there's a lot of people in there that like definitely had like a, a big influence on me you know what I'm saying getting to where I'm at today or you know just saying things that I probably didn't understand at that time because I was still young developing that I wind up doing later on and then realize, like, oh, that's what they was talking about. So, yeah, being in there uh, almost every day, that, that was like a, that was like a big, a big uh, thing that I needed to, to help me elevate. Yeah, you know, those moments like that, it sounds like what made you special is, like, you captivate the moments, you're coachable, and you understand when there's a moment of you to grow. Like, you know, like, a lot of smart people realize if I'm the smartest in the room, I got to go to a different room. And so you were there kind of like just scoping and like, you know what, this is a chance for me to hone my craft and my skills. And even though a decade ago, I wasn't a fan of you as a battle rapper. I did listen to your music and your freestyles. Like, I actually liked you on the beat more than acapella. And I remember like w- one of the few tracks you had that really made me a fan back in the day is like you, Lloyd Banks, one of your favorite rappers. <laughs> and Lloyd Banks had a, a freestyle. I forgot, the, I forgot the track where he was like, son, son, lame, DNA full of sugar cane. And then you was like, oh, you talking about me. <laughs> and so then you made a diss track. Yeah, of, yeah. You made a diss track at Lloyd Banks. And I'm like, yo, this kid got heart. And this shit was fire. What's up? <laughs> Yeah, that was crazy because like Lloyd Banks is the re- Lloyd Banks is the reason why I started rapping. So at one point in time, I was like 16 and I was getting a uh, survivor's benefit checks from my dad passing away when uh when I was nine. And I, I'm I'm saying all this so you can understand like what it meant to me. So I had like uh, the check the checks were like like three hundred and thirty dollars or whatever. Mm-hmm. And my mom used to my mom used to give them to me to pursue rapping because she was supportive of me trying to be a rapper. So one time I seen something on uh serious radio or shape, no shape 45 radio on, on the actual radio in the car. Right. And it was who cared saying like, if you sent this amount of money, you can get on the G unit mix. Tape. So me doing it is like Lloyd Banks is the reason why I rap. When I started making songs, I followed the structure of 50 Cent when I made songs. So G-Unit is like 
the core of why there is the DNA. Like, if anybody studies. So that's how big of a G-Unit fan I was. That's when I grew up. Like, in that era of 2003, I was 12. So from that point on, I started on G-Unit. Then I went back and listened to everything else. So I'm saying all this to get to the point of the story. So I give, I send the money to, I, I don't know now, as me being a 28-year-old, 12 years later, I don't even think I sent the money to who kid. But I thought at the time I was sending the money to who kid. Mm. So I'm speaking to is telling yo, your, your song is going to be on the next mixtape. The next mixtape drops, my song is not on there. Uh. The next mixtape drops, my song is not on there. So now I'm getting mad because, you know, to me, $330 is the world at this time. Absolutely, so, absolutely. So then after that, the nigga's like, yeah, man, I'm going to dead you. Like, you dead it. You're not getting the money back. Ha ha. So, I'm, so in my mind, at this time, I'm thinking it's really who, kid? And um, I was mad. So, I, you know, I figured who, kid, is not a rapper Lloyd Banks is. So that's that's the real reason why I dissed him. It was never, like, personal or nothing. I just was, like, like not trying to be funny. I hurt fans. So right. that's how that came about. And I guess somehow... I wasn't even popular then, but I guess somehow me being from Queens, him being from Queens, he heard the uh, he heard the song. Wow, he heard it. He, it got to him. I mean, I mean, I I, I felt like let me not even say I always felt like he heard it. Right. But I got confirmation because uh, aside from him doing the sugar cane joint, free my man Joffy, free my man Joffy the Mac, Joffy uh. It was like Westside Jesse. If you hear the uh, old G-Unit freestyles, when they say uh, Westside Jesse's in the back truck, Westside Jesse's uh, my man Joffy, he was down with G-Unit. And then, um, you know, I, I, I seen Lloyd Banks a couple times. I spoke to him on FaceTime and all that. Wow. I finished talking to him. Yeah, I finished talking to him a few days ago. Crazy. What's so crazy is when we talk, we never talk about this. So, me personally, I don't know. I, I can't say, like, yeah, I spoke to him about it. But even my man Joffy told me, like, yo, Banks said, yo, you know, DNA dissed me back in the day. So the story that I'm telling you, I mean, eventually next time I see him, because I haven't seen him since he told me that, I was going to have this conversation and break it down to him on why I did that since I know for sure he knows now. But for years, I just always suspected that he knew and he was talking about me um, in the song when he said it. And then... He did an interview on This Is 50 and was like, yo, it's some kid that be on This Is 50 now all the time and he dissed me. So it's like I, I, I always suspected that he knew, but then I got confirmation. But me and him talking, I don't know why. That's just like something that just never the conversation never gets to that. But I'm going to bring it up because it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a solid dude. So I just want right. to know why I did it. So you don't think like I, I was just dissing him for no reason. Because, I mean, some people do that. Some people feel like, yo, I want to get a name and get clout, but I've never been that type of person. So, you know, I mean, looking back at it now, I would have handled it much differently. But I was, I was sixteen, I was tight, niggas took my three thirty. Nah, yeah, I, I hear, I hear you all the way. It's funny, like um, when I met with Gucci Guy at the top of the year, he did something kind of similar a few years back, and he had a diss record to the game. And I was like, yo, man, you kind of reminded me of DNA. Like, you guys are up-and-coming battle rappers, and you guys diss mainstream artists, and it just and it just, just come out. And he's just like, oh, yeah, you know, took a little page from DNA's book, started laughing and shit. <laughs> <laughs> nah, 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 yeah, Geechee's my man. I fuck with Geechee Gotti. But, yeah, I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, for me, like, I don't know Geechee, but, like, Geechee put game in. But for me, it was, 
it was crazy because, like I said, Lloyd Banks is the reason why I rap. So yeah. That shit is yeah. Like, even now, talking to him, like, in my mind, it's regular because I talk to so many people that's popular. But sometimes when I just sit down and reflect, it's crazy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, people that you grew up listening to or wanted to be like, now you have conversations with them and all that. Like, that happened to me, too, when I first met Michael Blackson because I used to watch Next Friday over and over and over and over as a kid. Mm-hmm. That one part we with the CDs and shit and said, I can't get jiggy with this. And then when I met him and I actually did the battle with him, I battled, I, I battled him like four or five times now talking to him on a regular. It's like crazy. Like, yo, I used to watch this dude on TV. So that shit, that shit is always wild. Yeah, there's so many celebrities. There's a whole list for you, like, and even just the pictures of people that are just fan of yours. Uh, Jan, John Sally, uh, the freestyle you did with uh, with Shannon Briggs, that was crazy. Like, like I just think to myself, like, do these guys finally see you and they're like, holy shit, your DNA? And then they're so excited that you have such great freestyle abilities. They want to see it in person. They get so excited about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah. Uh, shout out to the champ, Shannon Briggs. That's my brother. Shout out to John Sally too. Um, somebody else that's crazy too is like Vince Carter. Like, I was just about I, I was just about to say Vince Carter. Yep. Yeah, wrestling. Like, and I'm talking about like when I, like me. I, I like you. You notice that about me. Like, I, I'm I'm a real. I, I don't when I say real, I don't mean street or nothing. I mean like I, I'm never gonna like lie or sell something to the people just cause, just to make it sound good. Like you know, some people I'm cool with, I'm cordial with, and then some people I got good relationships to. So like me and Vince Carter. We talk damn near like every day or every other day, so it's just crazy. Cause rest in peace um, to my uncle. I I, I I remember watching the dunk contest with Vince Carter mm. and Almond, and I was like eight or nine. Like yo, this is crazy. This is Vince Carter. So you know how somebody now is looking at LeBron. That's how that's how I look at Vince Carter. Like yo, this is Vince Carter. That's <laughs> crazy. I gotta ask about Vince. He's a hardcore fan, low key, right? Like he told Uncle, yeah. um, he told, he told Uncle Rafa teammates of fame. He's gonna put his teammates on. So I'm expecting Trey Young to see some DNA battles this season. Like all these NBA guys must they travel all the time throughout the season. So I'm thinking to myself, they must be dying to find some kind of content to just watch on these planes and just isolate themselves. So now you're gonna have the Atlanta Hawks all probably watching battles. Yeah. Like a humble, genuine dude. I remember he uh, he tweeted something. I'm not sure. I think yeah. I think it was one of my battles. Like uh, when was it? Like five years ago. Retweeted it and I followed them and he followed me back. And I DM'd him and he DM'd me back. And since then, I talked. I talked to him all the time. Sent me tickets for my whole family to go to the game. Yep. Um. He pulled up the uh to to, to resolution. That's amazing. At the hotel solo. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, he's he's a real dude. Like he's he's definitely and he's definitely a real fan of the culture. Like he be on it, like everything. And I'm See, saying same thing with my man. Uh, shout out to my brother Samoa Joe. Same thing on the road with WWE. He be hitting me, watching everything. So they they be tuned in. They be watching it, knowing what's going on. The Uso brothers, they be watching it too. So like yeah, like believe it or not, a lot of people be having eyes on the culture, and, and you wouldn't even know until you run into them or you have a conversation. So that, that's always a great thing, though. Yeah, you know, like... And like uh, you go ahead. Yeah, my, not to cut you off. Yeah, like I was saying, and like, I'm close with them. Like, we have a relationship outside of me being the battle rapper, but they fans of a lot of people, so it's not just me. Yeah. Like, a lot of these guys, 
you know, they fans of me, but they fans of everybody else that's doing their thing in the culture too. So that's what's real. That's what's, that's the good part about it. Like, oh yeah, that's that's, that's what I was, that's what I was just about to get at. Like, there's like there's a lot of like of the top names that like these athletes follow. And I just think to myself, like, damn, is there, like, a little NBA cult of, like, small group of, like, hardcore battle rap fans where people are, like, in these in their locker rooms debating, like, nah, Surf is the best, nah, DNA is the best, nah, Hitman, Clips, K-Shine. And I'm just like, this must be crazy. It's must like, it, it baffles me as a fan. It must baffle you as well as the artist. Like, yeah, it's really, this is really happening. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's crazy. Like, even with Samoa Joe, it's like how me battle rapping could tie into so many things. Um, like in, in your childhood and your life because I'm not a big wrestling fan no more but as a kid that was like my number one thing and then when I got with my uh, girlfriend and my youngest um, stepson who's a wrestling fan that's what really I already had talked to some more Joe but that's what made me reach out to him to uh, get tickets to go to wrestling events so I wound up like reliving something I wanted to do in my childhood now because I had never been to a wrestling event so that wow. was where I went but I was like crazy that how I wind up going because even though it was something I wanted to do, I probably would have never did it just because I'm not into it no more. But I wind up going and like now we go every year, so so it's definitely like it definitely is crazy how battle rap can really change your life. Like it sounds cliche, but in more ways than one. Without the money, like that's one of the ways. But I'm saying like you get to do things that you didn't imagine you could do all because people know you from being in the battle yeah yeah and i think you're a walking icon of that like you're one of the few people that can literally say i made battle rap into a lucrative business because like there's a lot of people that don't battle very frequent but they're like top names so you assume they get top dollar but if they do it once a year you know they, they're still getting their income other ways you know i, I come, come to a point 2016 uh-huh. around this time in august you had 90 sun battles 90 maybe 90 91 battles now you have 130 plus you know and i'm just thinking to myself like i'm looking down the year i I even have a chart here for you 2009 10 battles 2010 four battles 2011 eight battles and by the way it might be it might be off a number or two but 2012 five battles 2013 11 2014 11 2015 20 battles 2016 24 battles 2017 19 2018 10 battles this year six battles this is the this is the smallest dna catalog of a year this is your first time having single digit battles in like five years yeah i know i know <laughs> but, um, it must feel weird to you at this point you must be like damn i haven't battled like what the fuck's going on nah nah me not battling this much actually like rejuvenated my spirits and like gave me like some newfound energy that's why i, I don't know i was like the two-on-two is so fun for me like even writing for it that's probably like well i usually write late so i, I wrote early like, like me and kayshawn was done like two weeks before the event that's like mm. never that, that that was the first time that was the first time we ever did that it's so crazy that people say that might be our best two-on-two performance and that is the only time we were prepared that early ever like in any two-on-two we ever did it's crazy, and so, you guys have 19 of those on the board now. We're gonna have 20 uh, by 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 September. You guys battling the Monstars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, now I'm about to turn up. I got like a, I'm about to do. I I probably get to like the 15 mark by the end of the year because I got a lot of joints lined up right now. That oh wow, to be announced. So, yeah. So I'm I'm about to get back in action. But I was chilling, you know. 
Uh, my girl was pregnant. I was having my daughter. I Congratulations, by the way. Yeah, thank you. I wanted to be there for my girl, for my daughter. So I kind of just wasn't taking that many battles. I was chilling. And then the first time I battled since having my in Queens for the draft nightly. Yeah, you hear in the background right now. Yeah, yeah. I hear that, man. I, I won't take too much of your time, man, because I know you're a busy, busy man. And, and and I I love the fact that your baby shower, you had Uncle Rob pull up, and you still was on your promo game. You did the Averb interview that night. You was like, yo, let me go outside real quick, handle this Averb shit, and get back to my baby shower. I'm like, yo, oh. does DNA ever stop yeah. working? Like, this is amazing. Nah. <laughs> yeah, Uncle Rob, it was so crazy. Uncle Rob slammed me, so I invited him just to pull up. And now I'm saying enjoy the baby shower. And then while we was there, I started getting hit up like, yo, Aver responded to you on PSA radio. So I'm like, yo, man, Uncle Rod, you got your camera? He's like, yeah. Hilarious. Yeah, I waited until the baby shower was over and I was I was drunk. I, I was lit. So I'm like, yeah, this is going to be a, a crazy interview because I already know I'm, I'm smacked. So it wound up being a funny interview, though, I, I, those interviews at Verb, they did like phenomenal numbers. They, they, those were crazy. So that, that was funny. Nah, um, a, a lot of your interviews, like you're one of the best shit talkers in the game too. So like you, you, you play chess. Like you literally, because that wasn't the first interview you did with Verb. The first one you did was outside with Uncle Rob. Like prior to that, and then you had the one following up. Yeah. And you told him to drop it at this time right here, and it's almost like, damn. Even DNA plays chess, even with his promo game and his blog game. Like, but you, but you know what? I wasn't shocked because you've been doing this since grind time. Like when you wanted to battle all the West Coast guys, used to make blogs and diss tracks. So you've always been like, yeah, but yo. You I know what's so crazy though is that like things resurface because a lot of people will feel like like you one of those dudes that been there from the beginning of the coaching so you know like even me turning into the champ or something that's not nothing far-fetched because I used to do funny stuff like that in grind time but I just stopped but somebody that just came into the coaching they'll think like I got that from somebody else so I started doing that and little did they know like that was something that I, I did was doing, but it's like you know, times change. You got to reinvent the reinvent yourself, and some things that was not hot before, they become hot. So you wind up doing them again. So that's that's what really happened now. Like now, I feel like battle rap is back into the you could blog and do that. Because for a second it wasn't. I don't know what what stopped or what changed. Just like at one point, battle rap was more about performance. Now it's right. back to like the punchline and all that stuff, and then at one point it was about angle. Mm. Like it switches. So, and you literally could do it all. You could touch every category area. So that's why you have so many matches open to you because your style can cater to somebody that wants to freestyle, that wants to angle, that wants to punch, that wants to perform. And, you know, you weren't always the DNA you were now. And there's little moments in your career where it's like he's reinventing himself. And I think it all for me personally, like one big moment where it started was the B Magic battle. I feel like after the B Magic battle, you kind of had like a talk with yourself, like, "All right, this DNA is not gonna cut it in in the next five years. I gotta revamp." Yeah. Now, I mean, I feel like right now the crazy part about it is why I feel like this is why I'm still battling is because I feel like I'm the best I ever was. Like I'm at my best right now. Like right now. 
I can I can I can agree because I I'm sorry to cut you off. I could agree because I was front and center at your Mickey Facts battle. I got a media pass. I got to be there at Volume Three. I'm like I can't miss this. This is a seven year grudge. And I said to myself, shit, I've been watching DNA for ten plus years, and I've seen ill will. I've seen the ill will battle. I've seen the Presma. I've seen so many of them. I'm like this is the best one. And this guy still got a hundred on the board. How is he still doing this? So I could agree with you. Yeah, I mean, like my whole goal was just to get better. I feel like at one point in time. When the game switched, um, my issue was my setups, my delivery, uh, how I was saying my bars, the cadence. And then I feel like at one point in time, I joked, then I stopped joking. So I had to, like, things that I took out, I had to put back. Things that wasn't working, I had to switch. Then I switched the flow. But I started spitting faster with more punch lines, and the setups got better. But then after a while, I started getting redundant and tired. And I feel like with the Mickey Fax battle, that was just full-fledged of everything that I've been learning over the last few years implemented in one battle. Like, yep. I had to pack the different patterns. I had the delivery on point, the time, and everything was just, like, full in one. And then from that battle, that's, like, the blueprint to, in, in my next three-round battle, but even on a higher level. So I haven't had one of those yet. Yeah. But once I have another three-round battle, Everybody understand what I'm saying, and then even when I battle Heron, like a lot of people that may have, like, I guess they thought the Ricky Flack shit was like a one-time thing because it was a grudge. They seen like even the rating in that battle like get elevated. And yeah, switching in the patterns and the cadences. So yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm just trying to get better, man. I feel like there's no point in still doing something this long if the object is not to still be innovative and you know improve on your craft so aside from that like aside from me getting better in the ring i just try to bring light on the culture and put us in different lanes and avenues outside of the ring so i got a couple things i'm working on with that too when did you realize your pen started getting better because like at one point, you you started quoting a lot of your bars in 2018, and you're just like, yo, my pen's been different. And even prior to 2018, I'm like, yo, DNA still finds a way to get better lyrically. When did you realize, like, oh, shit, I really stepped up my my lyricism? Uh, I feel like in 2015 was the start where I started becoming better lyricist. And this was my whole issue that I used to tell people. And I know it sounds crazy when... Uh, how do I explain it? That's like a nigga you've been watching play basketball layup all the time, but he's swearing to you, yo, I could dunk. And you only seen him dunk three times. So you're like, mm. nigga, you could dunk. Why Why are you not dunking all the time? But what people didn't understand is that, like, all right, for instance, right, I, you know, I, I've said things in battles that don't make sense. So somebody would sometimes say, oh, DNA doesn't. It's not smart, but that's that's a joke. But if you really pay attention, you can tell, like, I have some type of intelligence, especially when it comes to the science of battle rap. So I understood that I, I wasn't, like, no disrespect, because I wish I could have been, like, a Danger Zone or a Chilla Jones or a JC at this time where I got to battle in a lot of small rooms to showcase my lyrical ability. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't able to do that because I came in the game and the game was elevated and we were on a high stage. And when you're battling in a gnome crowd, you can't be as lyrical as you want to be is just the inevitable because they're not going to catch the same type of shit that somebody in a small crowd would catch. Like, for instance, my Ill Will performance is considered one of my best performances and lyrically, it's like one of my worst if you ask me. Mm. My next battle, 
my next battle was Tay Rock on Summer Madness, and that's considered one of my worst performances. But if you listen to the bars in that battle, yeah, you were bar heavy that battle. Honestly, you were exactly. That was one of my most lyrical battles at the time, and that's when I tried to listen to the fans, and I realized like, okay, this doesn't work. Ah, uh, like, that's interesting. Yeah, it it doesn't work because it didn't then. So in 2015 is when I started implementing like. Because the Tay Rock battle was a test. Then with Chess, I kind of went back to like how I was battling with Ill Will, but I was still experimenting. And then the Series Jones battle is when I tried to figure out how to be more lyrical, but in a way where a big room could catch it, still be funny, and switch my delivery. If you watch that battle, that's like the first battle where I start having different types of patterns and all that. And that's a fact. Yeah, is when I started like implementing. Let me see how can I be more lyrical, but make it hit for the crowd in a big room because it didn't when I battled Tay Rock. So 2015 was like the turning point of when I tried to start really showing people because then I feel like the game changed. I feel like in 2015 on now in this present day, you can be lyrical in a big room because the mindset of the battle, the, the 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 fans has changed. Now their program catch more intricate shit, even in the big room, because that's where battle rap is at. Now. Yeah. But at that time, it was. So now you're able to do it. That's why I was able to have that explosive first round against JC last year, and I didn't really dumb it down. I was still punching bar heavy in that round, but the crowd was receptive because the the crowds have changed. I was able to uh. Have have that performance with twerk and still get lyrical because the crowd, you know, what I'm saying that they they change now. So I feel like now it's at a point where you just might have to have more performance when you're on the big stage, and that's what I learned too. So now I'm more about performing it more. So even if you might not get the line all the way, the performance to help get the reaction. And then um, when I battled Mickey Fat, that was the time where I felt like okay. I've been showing niggas birth of being lyrical, but I still didn't go to my highest potential because I still wasn't in a small room. Like, what people don't know is I, I was on a lot of cards, but I never did a smack volume. Right. So, I opted for it to be in a small volume because um, I opted for it to be in a, in a small room because I felt like that's where Mickey Fax was at his best at. So, I didn't want to take him on on the stage, yeah, because I felt like that's where I, 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 I would thrive in that area. So I wanted it to make a challenge, wanted it to be a challenge, and for a lot of people to feel like they can count me out because I knew where I could go with it. And that's why people say that's my most lyrical battle because I wanted to prove to people, like, yo, I don't know what makes you think I can't do. Like, I'm a professional battle rapper, I can do everything within the limits of battle rap, I can go that extra mile being lyrical. It's just about knowing when to do it and when not to do it. That's what people don't understand. Like, just because you can do everything, it's a time and place for everything. On Summer Madness, those same lines wouldn't have been that effective because of Summer Madness. Mm. So you just think of big, you think of big room shakers and and haymakers and, uh, you know what I'm saying, like performance. In Smack Volume, that's a time where, like, all right, if, if you look at it like boxing, right, on a Summer Madness, niggas want to see Mike Tyson. They want to see the knockout. 
a nigga, a nigga catch a nigga, boom, boom, knock him out. And the smash volume, that's that's where Floyd Mayweather would drive at. Because you actually show him the art of boxing, the jab, the defense, the weave, the uppercut, boom, 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 going for 12 rounds. So that's how mm. I look at a smash volume because that's where you get a chance to make your first line connect with your fourth. And the room is so small, everybody's going to catch it. Or, or you got a whole eight-bar scheme that you're talking about the same thing, but the room is so small that it can captivate and niggas catch it, and you can intertwine bars. You can't really do that on a big stage. So that's why I feel like that is like the deciding factor on being more lyrical in a small room because you have a you have a better you have a hard, you have an easier chance to set up. I think in translation, you're saying I'm more dangerous in a small room. Don't think I'm not lyrical. <laughs> that's what that's my yeah, takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, no, that's basically what I'm trying to tell people. Like, I'm just as, I feel like now the way I've changed my writing, I'm more dangerous in a small room than on a big stage. And I'll tell you why. Because I can take the big stage performance and do it in a small room with lyrics. And most people that can rhyme in a small room lyrically don't have the big stage performance with them. I feel like that was the decided factor with me and Mitch. Mm. Like, I brought. Did some of Madness DNA performance with a small room DNA rapping ability? That's that's a dangerous combo because I can take all the moves that I would do on a big stage, but now I'm doing them in a small room, so it's going to even be more electrifying because you're right then and there. Like the slip the Mickey ball, the nine between us, all that acting out and performing. That's like that's big stage performances with small room material. Right. That's that's why I feel like it was it was so dangerous. Like somebody like New Jersey Twerk is dangerous in a small room because that's a big stage performance with small room material. It's hard to beat that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I want to touch back when you mentioned 2015, saying Sirius Jones battle. That's where you kind of feel like things started to change for you. And I even want to pinpoint for Shine as well because that's kind of where NWX was born. That's kind of the inception. Both of you guys had stellar performances on Gnome 5. We, he damn near caught a body being an underdog. And, you know, you guys had, I think, two two-on-twos prior to Gnome 5. And then you go, you guys go on a tear together to the point where now you two combined have the most two-on-two battles in the modern era. Because, you know, if we you think back to the freestyle era, you know, that's all, they battle six, seven times a day. But the content is so much shorter and it's freestyle. It doesn't really equate to what's going on now. Like, you and Shine together have probably written over 50 rounds. And has yeah. it ever dawned? Has it ever dawned on you? It's like, damn, Ilmac and Thesaurus are like legends in two as two and twos, but in a different era. But me and Shine have have eclipsed this now. Like we have, if you make battle rap like a chapter or like a story or a book, they're one chapter, and now you guys are this chapter. Like that's kind of crazy to think. Yeah, I mean, like really, the whole two on two thing is like. Why why I feel like me and Sean is so dangerous as a two on two is because everything I'm with, he's with it. Like it took both of us feeling like Smack was bugging. This is gonna be the hottest shit in the culture for it to work. Because it was like it was like so it was like once in a while you'll see on a uh King of the Dot card or or Don't Flop card a two on two. Right. It was like a rare thing. It wasn't like Yo, this is that shit. It was still frowned upon back then. Yeah, yeah. Me and Sean wanted to do one so badly after we battled each other. And uh, we tried to set it up with Debo. Shout out to Debo, but it didn't go through at that time. 
and then Er hit us and wanted to do it. And while we was in negotiation with Er, we brought it to Smack. And Beasley was with it, but Smack was like, ah, oh, this is some two-on-two shit, some Broadway play shit, you know what I'm saying? I ain't really now. Nah. He was dubbing us. So I'm like, yo. Right. I'm like, yo. I'm like, yo, in six months, this is going to be the hottest shit. I'm telling you. Nigga brushed me off. We did this shit with Shia Boy and John John. Everybody was going crazy. Like, yo, DNA, science, chemistry is crazy. And I could be honest, everything but the battle and the chemistry, I had figured out. I knew if we did went crazy, it would become popular. I knew that it was, like, innovative because it was done before, but not on this level. But I didn't know me and K-Shawn was going to be that good together. And then after we did that one with John John and Shia Boy, I'm like... Yeah, this is pretty crazy. We can make a lot of money off of this. And this might be the, this. My plan is actually working. So then after that, we booked the two on two versus Hitman and Verb and against Marvin Quest right then and there. Yep. And after the battle, Hitman and Verb dropped and it went viral on uh, on the internet and all that. Matt called Y'all was fucking son. We got to do it. Chess and Steam. And then, that, then that's how that came about. And then, um,. Me and Sean finished the whole year 2015 and was like, it was crazy because we was the first two-on-two on Summer Madness ever, which was the only two-on-two on Summer Madness ever, which is crazy. And then the following year, I it really settled in my mind. Like, yo, we really started something with this two-on-two when BB yeah. called me and said, yo, we want to do a whole event called double impact yeah you got you guys headlined it like that's how big of of a, of a duo you guys were and dna look man you're, you're from that era you're from that cloth and you respect all the freestyle era a lot but i gotta admit man like and you know we, we have a lot of uh battle rap fans that'll debate this to the death but like what do you say about like the the separation of two on twos back then to compare to them now because yes the wrc's and all that they're special but they you know Eight guys in an alleyway, eight guys in in a garage, eight guys in a room can't compare to two thousand in a venue. No, I feel like that's like that's like Mook, uh, that's like Mook and Lux and all of them battling on the street corner before us and setting the blueprint, becoming the battle now. It's a lot different. Like it's, it's nowhere near the same thing. Like credit is always supposed to be given to the person that started something or was like one of the founders. But the credit also should be equally deserved to the person that elevated it. Because now, as you can see, no disrespect to Marvin Quest, like the things that come with two on two is more than just rhyming back and forth together. It's about the coordination, the move, the chemistry, the pattern. Like, I feel like me and K-Town went to a whole level, whole new level of chemistry at some of the impact of how we was intertwining. Like, we was the first ones that really started doing lines for lines in two-on-two. And then we started doing, um, like, half, like, like half for lines. And now in this two-on-two, we was doing words. Mm. A lot of Usher, Marion, Ice Pack, Bobby Brown, Crackhead, New Edition, Right Back, Sober Now, 112, Jagged Edge, but see, it's so, it was so coordinated, like, nobody, nobody was doing that, so it's like ways to elevate it to where I feel like, salute the Ill Mac and the stories, but if we was to face them, 
on summer impact, like they'll look like rookies. Even though there's like people wouldn't know, like we know they started it, but in this era now, they would have to try that out or do that first before that that would work. Forget yeah, facing you guys. Do you do you do you think they could adapt? I mean, like I think Ilmac could definitely adapt. I think the Soros has definitely reached a bit of past his prime. But do you think them as a duo can even adapt to what what it is right now? I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. If I was, if that battle was to ever happen, I would want it to happen on King of the Dust. I was, I was gonna say that. I was, I was just about to say that. Like, I'm surprised King of the Dust hasn't reached out to book that for you guys. Like, cause that's that's bound to happen eventually. It's like there's not many two on twos left for you and Shine. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's only where it would be good. Like on URL on Summer Impact, it would be a massacre. Mm. So I wouldn't even want to, you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't even want to do that. I got to ask, DNA, can you please tell me your favorite K-Shine story? You guys have written over 50 rounds together. I'm sure there's got to be one moment in time where you're like, yo, this guy Shine is crazy. Nah, nah, nah. It'd be so crazy. Like, now when we together in the same room and you ask us a question, we'll answer it on the same, at the same time mm. without... Without practicing that, or like we come up with the same ideas with the same opponents without being in the same room. Wow! Like yo, that's crazy. But, and he'll have one way of doing it, and I'll have another, and then we'll put both ways together, and then it'll be like that's super crazy. But uh, like, I mean, him preparing it, it's like we didn't have so many arguments over that because it's just like it just be funny. Like he'll be like like at the beginning. I'm trying to think. The first time the memory thing ever came up, it was probably Marvin Quest. Mm. No, 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 no. I'm bugging. John, John, and Sire Boy. We only had five days to prepare for that. What? So, yeah, because, well, we didn't really have five days to prepare. We chose to do that because we uh we was worried about rookies versus vets. So by the time we finished rookies versus vets, it was only five days left into the Oracle. So, me and Sean got together. This is the first time we ever prepared. Just coming up with lines. Um, trying to get trying to get ready for the battle. So, we get to Florida. I mean, Florida. I'm sorry. We get to Atlanta. He's looking at me like, yo, why are you so relaxed? Like, nigga, we don't even have a second round. I'm like, God, it's going to be good, man. It's crazy. So, the nigga... So the nigga's like, what the fuck do you mean it's going to be good? Like, he's getting mad because he doesn't understand why I'm so calm. And, like, in that way, like, this, like, there's something wrong with me. Like, I thrive off of being put under pressure. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to freestyle a second, man. Don't worry. We're good. We got the first and third. We're going to win. So I, I, this time I can tell he's never did something like this ever in his career. So he's looking at me like, like I'm insane. Like, yo, get bugging. So to make things worse, I'm like, yo, let's have a drink. Now, mind you, I've never drunk before at this time. I've never drunk alcohol before I battled, ever. I felt like like I would forget my rhymes and not be on point. Right. So he's like, have a drink. So I'm like, yeah, let's have a drink. It'll calm my nerves. We'll be good. So we wind up having like three drinks at this point. We're night before we go on stage with John John the Sideboard. But I can tell from him drinking, now he's calm and then once we went uh we lost the coin toss we had to go first 
we spit that round fluent as hell and the crowd was going crazy every bar and then after he was like yo this nigga's the greatest man how the fuck how the fuck did you get drunk and not have a second round and we won the battle and everybody's saying we're crazy two and two and and I was thinking it's crazy too because I never drunk before battle so I was kind of like damn is this going to be the first time I forget but it sounds crazy I've drunk like three times in battles, and even though I wouldn't prefer doing it because it's just like an unnecessary pressure, but it makes me remember more actually because I'm so concentrated on, I know I've been drinking, let me not forget. Damn, so after this battle, DNA's, uh, K-Shot's probably looking at you like, yo, DNA, you're you're a genius, and he's just like, we're drinking every battle. <laughs> this is the formula. Let's follow yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And, and what's so crazy is that after that, we started drinking every two on two. Wow. Damn, so now I know. So, uh, Summer Reloaded, when I see you guys, I'm going to have to buy you guys drinks. That's that's the motto. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> nah, 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 try, nah. What's so crazy is that we still never did that. Um, we still never did that on URL ever. Oh, oh, that's interesting. You guys know, you're like, nah, nah, nah I can't. I don't know why. No disrespect in all the league, but the pressure on URL is different. Damn, but like you kind of you like you're such a professional that like you are yourself everywhere you go. So like we would never be able to yeah. tell that you feel different level pressure. Talk about being composed. Yo, that yeah, is, I know. That's hilarious. That the. the you guys really prepped on five days, and he, he was probably stressed out. He was probably stressed out his mind. You probably actually started a bad habit and made him start doing late late prep after that. <laughs> yeah, I definitely didn't start the bad habit, but we, we both got out of that. We both got out of that habit. Me and him. Now, now I prepare. Starting last year, uh, I prepared for all my battles earlier, which I feel like is better too, because I, I get to do more things I want to do in the battle. That's why I feel like. I've gotten better too because I prepare early enough. Wow. I I gotta I gotta I gotta ask too, man. Like you know, you having all these accolades, and you're not even thirty. Like, you know, you probably still say to yourself, "I still have another probably ten years. I still have a whole ceiling that I haven't hit." But like, you made battle rap so lucrative. Where do you see it going next? Like, what's the next level? I mean, right now. Um... I'm, I'm saying it to you first. Me and Rangers did a whole album that's dropping soon. Nice. Um, he, he, he produced it, and um, and I rhymed on over the beats, and it's like uh, twelve tracks. We're gonna be dropping it in the next few months, but it, it's definitely, I feel like my best project that I put together musically, uh, just because of the growth and like things that I'm talking about on it, and uh. Aside from that, I got a couple other things lined up that's going to be crazy that I can't even talk about. Them. Right, right. But it's, it's like when you battle rap, like battle rap mileage is a real thing. Like some people can battle too much, water themselves down. For you, like it almost doesn't exist, and you're almost like an outlier because like you you have this kind of catalog. And all I think to myself is like a lot of these are one rounders. Some of these are two rounds. Some of these are three rounds. Whatever. But if every single battle was just one round, he's written over a hundred over 300 rounds in his lifetime like what kind of memory does this guy have what, what kind of work ethic does this guy have and 
that to me is my favorite I'm part just, about DNA. Honestly, beyond the moments and beyond the bars is the work ethic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I just I, I never get caught in the hype. Like even when you was running down the accolades, like I'm not trying to be funny, but when you sound like, damn, I, I really did all of that. But like in the moment when I'm doing it, it's like on to the next because I don't try to believe in the own hype of DNA. I feel like anytime a human being believes in the, like themselves, like when they become full of themselves. You stop yourself from growing, or you inadvertently block the blessings that could come because you're not willing to get better, or you're not willing to learn and grow. So, for me, I just always, you know, thank God, blessed about what what I've accomplished, but still strive to get more. And um, in terms of like battle rap, like I just at one point in time when I started, it was because you know I loved it, so I wanted to do it a lot. Then I had a gambling problem, so I took a lot of battles just because I needed money. And now. That's why I started taking less battles. At this point, it's just like, it's fun. That's really why I'm doing it, because it's something that I love to do, and I'm still able to get better at it. So it's like, I might just keep doing this until I feel like I reach the, the point of, like, I, there's nothing else I can do to get better. When that, when that happens, then I'll just stop. But until then, it's like, it's still more things that I can show even if I know I could do it, it's things people are still doubt or don't believe that I can show I could do, so I want to do it. Nah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that that is honestly inspirational. And it almost shocks me sometimes that more people don't take a page out your book. It's like, why wouldn't you want to be like this guy? Like, what's stopping you guys from working this hard? Like, if this, if this guy who is solidified, like, if you retire tomorrow, that's it. There's going to be a statue of you in the Battle Rap Museum, right? But there's people with, like, a quarter of, like, what you've done, and they won't put in half the work that you would. I'm just like, why won't you guys follow this blueprint? Like, he, you could just follow DNA's page on Instagram. He's literally telling you what to do. Freestyles every week. And, and the freestyles, like, you find a way to stay active. You say, okay, I'm going to do this this week. I'm going to do this. Oh, you guys didn't like that? I'm going to do this. And I know it, it all kind of originated back when you and Conceda used to do the Jersey freestyles. But, like, you, you, yeah, kept, you oh, kept that wow. habit. Yeah, what kind of sparked me with the freestyles and all that stuff was uh, originally when I did Funk Flex, the Funk Flex freestyle in 2016. And then after that, when people liked the freestyle so much, I was like, yo, I should, I should do a mixtape. Because I hadn't put out a mixtape in like five or six years. So I'm like, yo, people like me on beat, I, I should drop a mixtape. And then I, um, Rain gave me the, the actual title to the Silver Cup. And then um, I started doing Silver Cup Mondays. Every week I would drop a freestyle leading up to the tape. And um, the Silver Cup concept was dope because it was like all classic Queens beats remade. And then I was able to uh, get, shout out to Habit, I was able to get him into the video that I did for the Shook Ones remake. Nice. I was able to get uh, LL Cool J on an intro of um, the Mama Said Knock You Out remake. Oh, that's amazing. Habit gave me. Yeah, and Habit gave me a beat for another song on the tape. So that was dope. And then after that, when I seen people messing with that, then I just started deciding to do freestyles on um, Instagram weekly, like daily sometimes. Like then me and Sean started doing, um, I believe it was challenges, like um, like a 90s challenge. And then after that, I was like, yo, man, fuck it, we should do 90s beats or whatever. Like, mm. um, like 90 movies, like 90 shows and 90 movies. And then I started just 
I already had all the jerseys because I was collecting them. So I wound up just bringing them back out and like doing the freestyles and all that. Yeah, no, nah, that the you you know for a fact you're like the the best way to stay relevant sometimes is just always putting your face on the camera, always letting people see that you're engaged. And you had a quote that I use all the time. The best thing to do when you lose a battle is battle again because people have such recency bias. All they remember is your last performance. So the best way to bounce back is to stay active. And it's almost like you've never turned the motor off. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, I learned that from, uh, you know, being in situations. The K-Rock battle, the K-Sean battle. Like, you just got to get that out the way so people can stop talking about that by getting another one in. That's a fact. That's a big fact. And, yo, man, um, one battle you had that uh, I've always wanted to ask you about. When you and Shine went out to Philly, uh, I think it was Crack Liberty Bell, and you guys did the Jay's Juice and the Frankie Waps battle. The third round, yeah. when they jumped off the stage to the table with the, with the fake glass, like, what was going through you and Sean's mind? Like, I, I feel like you guys looked at each other like, yo, did we really just, did this just happen? Like, did we really go through this match? Like, why do we put this on our resume? Yeah, I was, th- <laughs> I was thinking, like, yo, do we really battle these niggas and let's get the fuck about it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> And you also did this, the Philly Swain battle thing that same day too. But you, that's weird. Like you've done that a lot in your career, where you've had like one battle and you do a two or two battle the same day. You did that out in Don't Flop. Uh, you did it Crack Liberty. You've done it a, a handful of times. Like what? What, what causes you to yeah. want to take two battles in one day? Like what, what? That's insane sometimes to a lot of people. I mean, a situation just came about, and there was, was some good money. I mean, now I would never do that again. But, I mean, I just wanted to really do it to say I did it. Mm. Yeah, nah. The, the the Seeing you, like, double up on battles, I'm just like, well, goddamn. Like, this guy doesn't take a rest or anything. And uh, what other battle I think you did that with when you went out to the U.K.? And shouts to the U.K. Like, I can't believe they swooped up you and Arsenal away from us out here in America. Like, that was a main event waiting to happen. And Don't Flop just said, whoof, and just, like, snatched both you guys up and put on an all-time battle. I think about that all the time. Yeah, I like, know. Yeah. This shit is crazy. Sorry, go ahead. What you what you what you gonna say, bro? You said that was crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Er, uh, I, I was trying to get that battle booked on URL. Mm-hmm. And um, I, for some reason they wasn't it wasn't getting signed up, or a lot of stuff was going on. And then uh, after that, um, Er hit me to set it up, and I was like, yo. Yeah, let's do it. And then he said, oh, I said, yeah. So I'm like, oh, then it's, then it's locked in. Right. Right, right. Damn, this is it's just too many moments in your career that's just like you could pinpoint and it's just like I'm excited to ask about. I'm excited just to just like reference because these, these are milestones and you're still creating new ones. And I'm sure your mindset's at a whole different place. Like, by the way, like I didn't get a chance to even ask you, like, how you re- how's your recovery from your surgery? And like, how's fatherhood been? Because like... Those are real personal things that I'm sure, like, are also like affecting 
your mind your mindset in a in a positive way where it's like yo I'm blessed to to be here you know I'm blessed to like not have any like major injuries and now I have somebody to take care of and provide for so I I know that's probably putting you in a whole different space that like it's gonna elevate you as well. Yeah, I mean definitely a thousand percent. Like not trying to be funny. Um, just having my daughter, it's like a different sense of like urgency or responsibility that like. People tell you you're gonna fail, but you just think you know people are talking. But then when you actually, you know, hold your daughter or your son, or you look at them, and you see them, and like you just know they know nothing that's going on, and it's your job to lead them in the, the right path, and like you know, eating right or talking to them or making sure they get the right education, their health is in check, and then it, it makes you want to take your stuff serious. Like you got to be financially set because you got to take care of them from the beginning. And then, you know, you, you got to make sure, you know, a lot of things with men, men don't like going to the doctor. But, I mean, I never had a problem with that. Like, I always went to the doctor just to make sure everything was all right. That's how I even knew I had a kidney stone. Mm. Um, you know, uh, I could have got it done before some impact, but I, I felt like if I did that, I wouldn't be able to be. At 100%. Even, yeah, I wouldn't even be able to be, because I don't even want to say I was at 100 Cause I was at a hundred lyrically, but I don't know if I was at a hundred performance wise because I had a kidney stone. So I wouldn't even be able to be at eighty eight or what or what you're drinking. It has to do with just your body is just you're just unlucky. Like me, I produce too much acid, so that's why I got them. So now, like, I got to take vitamins to prevent it. So it didn't even matter because the first time I got a kidney stone was 2013, and at that point, I, I believed it was because I wasn't drinking water because I wasn't. All I used to drink was soda. Mm. Then when I got one in 2000. Then when I got one in 2017, I just went on a diet and I was down like like 27 pounds and I was drinking nothing but water. So I'm like, how did I get a kidney stone? And then when I went to the doctor, they told me because I'm just told to get them. So that's when I really realized like it doesn't matter whether you are drinking water or not if you're prone to get them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just, you know, God bless that you, you know, you made a speedy recovery and everything's fine. And it's kind of crazy to think that you was dealing with all that, had that performance, but forget the performance. You had a, you was balling. <laughs> you hit that shot in Av's face. Like, you would never think nothing is wrong with DNA. This guy hits a whole three pointer in Av's face and, with a kidney stone. Yeah, I mean, like, yo, like me, I'm just big on, like, I'm just big on, um, I'm just really big on not making excuses, man. Like, even when I was about to battle Mickey Sacks, when I was in the process of battling Mickey Sacks, my grandma had fell. She was in a hospital. My girl just found out she was pregnant. We was, like, in a situation where we almost lost the baby. Wow. And all that was going on. Yeah, all that was going on in the time before the battle, but I never said nothing about it because I don't like making excuses. Like, and as you can see, like, that was one of my dominated performances, and so was the performance with EFB. In the two on two, so then it just shows you like, so I just like to show people like, like you know what I'm saying like, you'll believe it more after you see what I did under those situations than if I told you that before I did it, mm. which to me is more rewarding. Like you can see like, with all that put aside, I still went out there and did my job because I I I've trained my mind. There's no, no such thing as an excuse. As long as I can get up on my two feet and I'm not paralyzed or something is not you know what I'm saying medically. Stopping me from moving the way I want to move, I'm gonna beat it. I'm saying so. I just uh, that's the mindset I, I grew into because at one point in my life I wasn't like that. 
and I learned like that's what separates, you know what I'm saying, the good from the great and the strong from the strongest. So I, I really don't try to make any excuses anymore. Like you know what I'm saying, when I'm saying it in retrospect, it's like you just understand the trials and tribulation I was dealing with. If I said it before Rick or if I said it and it didn't go right, then you'll look at it like as an excuse. If we ain't do our things versus EFB or Mickey Facts, I would have never said nothing because I wouldn't want anybody to feel sorry for me because it's like it's a battle. Now, I mean, like, of course, it's something like authoring, like, you know what I'm saying? If death happened, then I probably would say that right away and not do the battle if I had to attend to, you know, me losing somebody. But if it's something, like, personal, I feel like that has nothing to do with my preparation. I mean, it does, but, like, I still found a way to get it done so people can see, like, I still took it as serious as I needed to. You know what I took away from that is kind of like that's a mindset that you developed to say like this is this is the mindset of winners because like no matter what happens like on that in the ring and when I say in the ring I mean like on the stage of battle rap like no matter what's going on in your life prior to that performance or after those three rounds nobody cares they only care about what happens in the context of those three rounds of your battle so like you kind of just like you you. You just get ready. You you find a way to stay resilient, and you fight through all your adversity because it makes you a better person versus folding from it. You know, there's there's, there's only two types of people that have these problems. They either fold from it or they become stronger. And you're you're one of the people that says, you know what, I'm gonna take this to my advantage. And my you know, things were dealt this way for a reason. Like this obstacle wasn't put in front of me if I couldn't overcome it. You know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's exactly how I look at it. Like, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't want to go out there and make excuses because I've seen it. I've seen people like, and there's not these battle rappers in the world. Nobody wants to hear the excuse. Everybody just wants the product to be delivered. And if it's your job, as long as you feel like you can deliver, you should deliver. Now, if it's something that's too overwhelming and you can't deliver, then that's understandable. But a lot of times, I know for me, me battling or being in there is either like a therapeutic thing or my way of taking my mind off of what's really going on at the time. So it's still beneficial in a way. That's why, you know what I'm saying, in both situations, I, I made sure that um that I did it because it was helpful. And, you know, we're, we're in a new era, right? Like, you, you probably see it on Instagram all the time. Like, people just need such self-care all the time. Everybody's so positive. Everybody needs these affirmations. But, you know, no matter how much advice or positivity you try to enforce in your life without action, it doesn't matter. Like you can read a manual on how to drive a car and you can watch videos, but unless you actually get behind the driver's seat, you won't be able to actually learn how to drive the car. So like we're, we're in an era of people that constantly need this emotional support and reinforcements. And, and you say to yourself, well, you know what? I, oh, that's cool, but I could give it to myself. I don't need anything external. And I think that's, that's been one of my favorite things about you. Just like your, your work ethic, your mindset because you internally fuel yourself to become the person that you are all the time even outside of the ring like to to blog to do a freestyle to to do an interview to just be who you are when you're out on the streets when you're in the booth like that dna you're going to get 100 percent dna all the time and you know you went from being the what, what, what was what was your nickname back in the day the the nastiest amateur <laughs> to to who you are now yeah. you, you know <laughs> And, and it all, it's all mental, honestly. Yeah, nah, I definitely feel like it's all mental and it's all like, at the end of the day, what, what do you want to put out there? Do you, do you wanna, of course, you're going to have people that speak negative on your name or people that, 
don't understand what you're doing or can't do what you're doing, so they're going to hate. But the overall goal is you know what you're putting out there. So that's why you're going to get that back. Or you're just going to set the blueprint for somebody else later on in the future to see, like, all right, that guy came to work every day. That guy gave us his all. He put 100% into it in every aspect. And, I mean, that's what I'm not doing anything in life. I'm not going to do anything half-assed. Half I'm not going to do it at all. I'm going to do it 110. So I bring that same model and formula to battle rap, bring it to how I live my life or anything else that I decide that I'm going to tap on or try to be the best that I'm going to give it my all. So. No nah, man, DNA, you're you're an inspiration, man, and I definitely want to thank you for your time, brother, man. Like just just picking your brain and and getting into the the thought process of you know somebody like yourself is 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 a gem in itself because you're always giving some kind of like knowledge to people, especially to like the MCs that are coming up, to the fans that are listening, to me like media members. Like we, you always give us a perspective of how to view things. That's like you know the situation or the, or, or the obstacle. Is is it's not as complicated as you guys think. You guys can achieve the goal, and you know your insight is always an amazing thing to the culture. And I, I know I ran down all your accolades already, and, and you know you kind of look at it as like, oh, you know, I, I try not to get ahead of myself, but you know, I, I got it. I personally myself got to give you your flowers while you're still with us, because you know I, it's 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 nothing I never seen before in my life. Nah, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Yeah, brother, man. So I will be at Summer Reloaded, man. And uh, the Monstars, you and, you and Sean got anything special coming up? You guys going to be dressed as, as Jordan? These guys going to be dressed as the Monstars? Like, is, is this what we're expecting from this match? <laughs> I mean, nah, you just got, you're going to be there. You're going to see. Of course, you know, we'll be, we definitely proclaim, made ourselves as the, uh, you know, the guys that always find a way to be creative and push the ball. So we definitely going to do the same thing in this battle. Um, on September 7th, um, it sold out, and it, I mean, it was free, but you know, 2,500 tickets sold already for free. Yeah, God, so God this, damn, this point, the only way you can see it is on a pay per view. So make sure y'all get it because the building is gonna be crazy, it's gonna be more people at this than it was at uh, Summer Impact. So, yeah, some of reloaded NWX versus the Monsters. September seventh in my backyard, Queens. So, yeah, we're gonna, we gonna bring a lot of people out. It's gonna be good. Oh yeah, your second time out at a club in Missouri. Uh, I was at your Danny Mines performance as well. And yo, you know, before I even let you go, the Danny Mines performance. I'm I'm with my co-host. Shouts to Vlad. I'm, we're right next to each other watching you perform against Danny. And you mentioned his wife and and his heroin is heroin angle. We're just like, what the fuck? Like we we were like, we had so much goosebumps that we were like, is DNA really just doing this? Like, and we we couldn't like believe what we were watching. And then Danny Myers at the bar later, you said your grandma's eighty five. She will make it to eighty six. Blah. We're like, oh god. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that, like the fans. I fuck like I, I feel like that was the underwhelming battle. At the time, I had like a crazy. Uh, my asthma was fucking with me, like so I was under the weather. I feel like my energy wasn't there in that battle. And uh, you guys went last too. I, I feel like, yeah, yeah, we went last. I kind of still feel like I won, but it was a nasty battle. Like it's not wasn't a good battle, but um, nonetheless, the real reason why I did that angle is because somebody had sent me a clip 
and I guess Angel Finn was like antagonizing Danny to like start saying stuff about my mom. And even though my mom is not really handicapped or disabled, I just didn't like the fact that outside of a battle, Danny was like, oh yeah, his mom is probably autistic and he's, and I'm like, yo, that's kind of crazy. Like you saying that and I know your situation, like why would you even be saying that on the radio? You can say it in the battle, but I kind of felt like, all right, I don't know what, what route he's going to try to go. So I'm going to just put this. And then he wound up not doing nothing like that. And I kind of feel bad. But it was like, it was too late. I already had that whole third structure for that. And it was like, yeah, it was a crazy third. That's probably one of my most relentless rounds ever. Yo, it was, it was, it was ridiculous. We're watching it like, what the fuck? Like, this content is, is crazy. Like, were you surprised Danny just had a straight face the whole time? He don't give a fuck. You know, he'll, he'll battle a tin can on the corner of the street. He loves battle rap. But we're just like, anybody else listening to this will probably, like, make that cringe face like, oh, damn. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yo, DNA, man, it's been a pleasure, brother. No problem, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. See you soon, bro. Have a good night. Gotcha. Uh.